Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Good Lawyer Show with Matt and Brett, a podcast dedicated to law, business, and innovation. Today on the show, we have Tony Young. Tony is a family lawyer with the law firm Sigamoto and & Company and is the former president of the Alberta Law Society. We had a wide-ranging and thoughtful chat with Tony covering topics from the increasing inaccessibility of legal services, his attempts to modernize regulation during his time as president of the Law Society, the resistance of many in the legal profession to adopt new technologies into their practice, and even whether or not he'd recommend a student with an interest in law go to law school. On a final note, before we jump into the conversation, if you or your business is facing any COVID-19 related issues, Good Lawyer is offering a free 15-minute legal advice session. Simply visit our website at goodlawyer.ca, click on our COVID-19 resource page, and book your free legal advice session with one of our fantastic lawyers by entering the promo code hashtag washyourhands. With that housekeeping out of the way, let's jump right into the conversation. Tony, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine, as fine as you can do during the pandemic. That's right. Yeah. So how, how are things going with that? Uh, has, has that affected your practice quite a bit? It has affected uh, my practice. It's affected the courts. A uh, large portion of my practice is, uh, you know, taking things into the court. Uh, and the court basically is shut down except for emergency uh, matters. You know, that's actually a great place to start. So why don't we, uh, why don't we just quickly discuss that. Ed, how do you do that then? Do you, is it all being done via uh, video chat, that type of thing? Or how do you get around that in, in these situations? So it's a, it, it is, there are some things that are done by, uh, by video. Um, there are some other things that are done by uh, paper applications. So where you submit your paperwork and uh, the court will have a look at it. Um, there are uh, things that you can do by way of consent. So if you need a consent order signed, the court will sign that. Right. Uh, it, took a, it took the pandemic, by the way, to drag the court in, you know, <laughs> a portion into the 21st century. Um, we, we now have uh, e-filing uh, of documents. Um, and we didn't have that before. What we had was fax filing, if you can imagine that. And you weren't allowed to fax file into your into your home jurisdiction, so you're only allowed to do it in uh, you know other judicial districts. Right, right. So, so that's changed, and and it's changed for the better. We can now file. Uh, we have to use the fax form on the front of our PDF, but we can now file it with the court. Uh, right. Uh, but before we do get into uh, these details in a bit more, uh, or these matters into a bit more detail here, why don't you just give everyone just a, a brief introduction of who you are, how you came into law, what you're doing, what you're up to these days, and uh, just a general overview. Sure. So uh, uh, my name is uh, Anthony Grant Young. Uh, I'm a, a QC. That's a uh, Queen's Council. Uh, Queen's Council is a designation given uh, by government to um, lawyers. It's it's become mostly a political thing now, uh, but the designation, it originally meant uh, that you were counsel to the the queen or to the king uh, and that you were learned in law and it gave you precedence in the court, which means that you were basically first in line. So all of that other stuff I just told you about has disappeared. Um, I guess the long and the short of it is, is we got, get to add the term after our, our name. 
uh, and uh, we get to wear silk robes in court. So uh, yeah. that's about Tony that. Young boss. Uh, well, uh, not quite, but um, <laughs> no, I went to law school in, in Calgary. Oh, right uh, on. And uh, I did my undergrad in Calgary as well. And then eventually I took uh, a master's degree in uh, family law from, uh, from Osgoode Hall in Toronto. And uh, so I have, uh, you know, a Juris Doctor, which it's kind of interesting. It used to be an LLB, but you were able to apply to the university to get the Juris Doctor, which I did. Um, and then, you know, of course, you get the master's degree. And the master's degree is, is one iteration more than, than the Juris Doctor. Um, what's interesting is, is that, you know, in uh, Europe, uh, you're allowed to use the honorific doctor, but in North America, we're not. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, so it, it is it is interesting, but it's, you know, it is an uh, undergraduate degree, a first degree. Um, and uh, if I want to call myself doctor, I'm either going to have to get a medical degree or become a dentist or, uh, or you know, take a PhD. Too late for that. <laughs> yeah, I've tried that once or twice myself and my friends refuse to call me doctor. So it's, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be taking. Well, that would be a nice little segue into, uh, you know, one of the roles you've had, Tony, that uh, you've been too modest to disclose so far, which right. is uh, you're a former president of the Law Society here in Alberta. I am. Uh, I finished up my term as uh, president of the Law Society in uh, 2018. So I've had uh, two years to recover uh, from that. Um, and uh, yes, it was, it was a, a, indeed a great honor and, uh, and a really wonderful time in my life to, to be both a bencher, which is the member of, of the board of directors of the Law Society of Alberta, which is the regulator of lawyers in Alberta. And, uh, and then to finally become president of that organization. So. Yeah, it, it was a great deal of, of. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, no doubt. So uh, during your time as uh, president, uh, you were known for for your efforts in modernizing some of the regulations for lawyers. Um, is there any area in particular that you really focused on uh, during your time? Yeah, so you're going to make me talk about my failure, right? Uh, <laughs> well, some of your we like to say challenges. Well, and perhaps you know some some words of guidance at the end for Absolutely. our our current president, Mr. Teske. Yes, well, the uh, I mean the the legal landscape in Alberta today. I mean, if you look around the world, it looks the same today as it probably did, you know, a century ago. Right. Um, and. You know, I've often said that you can, uh, you could take a law student today from a Canadian university, and when they graduate, you could transport them back to the turn of the last century, so, you know, to 1900, plop them into a law office, and they could practice law. Um, we know that, you know, today, legal services are becoming increasingly inaccessible. Um, this has led to many, many challenges and, and consumers are actually driving, you know, the, the, the way that we offer legal services. I think that the, the public is looking for, uh, you know, alternatives and 
there's lots of do-it-yourself uh, websites, lots of do-it-yourself things on, uh, you know, and, and this is the same for all industries. Um, you know, I, I think uh, if you look at travel, it's probably one of the ones that's converted entirely to the, to the web. Um, you know, music lessons, uh, you know, all kinds of lessons. I mean, journalism, books, uh, producing music, um, all this stuff is, is moved, you know, to the internet. Doctor's appointments. Yeah, well, yeah and uh, hey, there's an interesting fact for you. So did you know, uh, and I'm just going to ask you this quickly, did you know that um, if you can get your terms right, so your search terms right in, in Google, uh, you can get a, a um, proper differential or diagnosis um, 85% of the time. And what's interesting about that is that your family doctor, I think the statistics on your family doctor are that they get it correct about 85% of the time. Oh, really? Well, that's just telling you something about where everything is going. Uh, there's, I mean, we, we all want to go to a doctor, but yeah. uh, I, I went to see uh, my, uh, my physician and, and uh, he says, well, did you Google it? I said, yes, I did. And he says, well, what do you have? And I said, well, I, I, have, I have shingles, I told him. And he says, well, you sure you have shingles? I said, yeah. When did it erupt? Oh, a few days ago. Well, then I will give you, here, I'll give you this antiviral, and that'll take care of it. And I said, don't you want to look at it? And he said to me, he says, well, did you Google it? <laughs> I said, yeah. He says, oh, I don't want to look at it. I made him look at it anyways, and, and we were kind of, we were kind of, you know, sparring a little bit. And uh, in, in fact, it was exactly what I had diagnosed. And when he looked at it, he, uh, he says to me, he says, well, yeah, it's shingles. <laughs> so anyway. That brings you back to articling, Matt. Uh, so I had a, actually a very similar uh, experience when I was articling. Uh, <laughs> something broke out on my uh, torso. And I did, I did what you're actually not supposed to do. And I Googled it and got all types of symptoms for all these uh, unknown diseases. But I was able to do pretty much the same thing. I'm like, oh, I think I have shingles. And went into the doctor's office and essentially got the exact same treatment where they're like, yeah, here's your antivirals. See you later. Yeah, so, uh, well, and then Tony, I want I want to you know just take it one step further. So if we've you know decided that you can Google your symptoms just as effectively as talking to the doctor, would that analysis translate into law as well? So it it does to a certain extent, you know, um, it does, Brett, just to a certain extent, but it's not uh, it's not completely transferable. Um, you know, we I know that medicine is complicated and you would never ask, you know, like somebody that's had their uh, education on Google to, you know, take out your spleen. Um, uh, you would never ask them to set a bone. Uh, and I think that's the difference, right? I mean, I think you can learn a lot uh, about the law by reading. Uh, part of the, the interesting part of this is that, um, you know, we have regional laws and uh, the, the laws and processes are different in each region. And this is different than medicine. Like in medicine, they're always striving for the world standard. Um, and in law, we don't have that. So uh, it's a little bit more difficult. 
but yes, there are parallels that you can uh, that you can uh, that you can see. So, so just kind of getting back to what you said before, you know, you you compared the the practice of law to uh, being a, a, roughly the same as it was a hundred years ago. So, a, as your time in president, what did you uh, attempt to bring forward that would bring it into the twenty first century? So, what we were looking at at the law society, and and what I was driving, which uh, which Brett's aware of, and um, was to actually changed the Legal Profession Act in Alberta uh, to allow the board of directors, you know, the benchers um, of the Law Society to modernize the structure in which we work. Um, and, you know, this would have been done over the next few years by the benchers, you know, enacting different rules uh, to implement, you know, amendments in a thoughtful and deliberate way to ensure that we had, uh, you know, better access uh, to legal services and uh, innovation and in service delivery. I, I think that the Law Society was looking to amendments to the Legal Profession Act so that lawyers could develop new ways to deliver legal services. Uh, by the way, such as good lawyer. Uh, and, uh, and also, you know, to use that to better address unmet legal needs and, uh, you know, allow lawyers to better respond to the everyday needs of, uh, in this case, Albertans, but I mean, it would be the general public if, if, if we went wider than that. I've always viewed one of the problems in advancing legal innovation and, you know, the hindrances that the current regulations sort of bring with them. Um, do you think part of the problem is that, you know, each body is provincially or state-based in the u.s and that there's not just like i know we have the canadian bar association but there's it's hard to move a bunch of these different law societies at the same time like it what's what's prohibited this innovation and like the change in regulations that you know you brought forward and that i know others have brought forward as well so so i don't think the problem is that we have uh, regional law societies so just to be clear for your listeners, the, the, the law societies of each province, so the Law Society of Alberta, Law Society of British Columbia, and then, you know, Law Society of Upper Canada, as it then was, it's now the Law Society of Ontario. Um, they, they, they work together, uh, you know, quite frequently. Mm -hmm. um, and they are, you know, working to sort of homogenize the rules. There was a... There was a, uh, a project where we have a, a national code of conduct <clears throat> and uh, people can, uh, well, the different law societies can borrow that and, they, and it's basically a model code uh, for everybody to, uh, you know, to, to use. And uh, the, the provinces, the provincial law societies are, are actually doing that. Um, so I don't think it's the regionality that creates an issue. Um, you mentioned also uh, about uh, the Canadian Bar Association. So the Canadian Bar Association is not a regulator. Uh, Canadian Bar Association is actually uh, an advocate. It's an advocate for lawyers exactly, and yeah. for judges. Uh, the Law Society is not an advocate for lawyers. Uh, it is the regulator of lawyers. And so what it does is it, uh, if people get out of line, lawyers get out of line, uh, then the, the regulator is there to address those concerns. Um, you know, your, your question, which I, I, have, I think 
deftly avoided, uh, is uh, really this is, you know, what can we do to, I think the question really is, what can we do to make things modern? And uh, I've said that uh, we are on new ground. Uh, technology, uh, it changes the playing field. There'll be things that uh, people come up with that entrepreneurs and uh, technicians come up with that will challenge the regulation. Uh, but I think that that's probably good. It's good to, to challenge the regulation and to try and deliver services in a more uh, meaningful way, you know, to more people. And, and one of the ways to do that, of course, is is through uh, uh, technology and change. Do you, do you believe it's time that we liberalize the legal profession and allow more non-lawyers to deliver a wider array of, of legal services? Or, and I know this is a very tricky question because I'm sure I've seen it, I'm sure you have many times when uh, you know non-lawyers represent themselves in court, it can quickly go off the rails and there's a reason why uh, lawyers are there to do that job. But do you think it's time with this new technology, with uh, the access to just, justice issues that you were uh, alluding to, that, that we allow uh, for, for more people to participate? Matt, you've, uh, you've asked a question where I'm supposed to answer whether we should allow more people to participate. Um, I really think the answer is, is that more people are participating and they are non-lawyers. Right. Uh, there hasn't been a, a prosecution in Alberta in my recent memory, and uh, certainly not during the time, I don't think, while I was a bencher, so for the last 10 years, uh, where they've prosecuted uh, somebody uh, for practicing law without a license. Um, there are numerous services uh, that are offered on the internet, that are offered uh, by private business, you know, where there's... Um, uh, where they offer what used to be, you know, the, uh, the you know, the simple and uh, purview of lawyers. So you want to incorporate a company, you don't go to a lawyer anymore, you go to a registry service, you want to, uh, you know, transfer a piece of property, you might not use a lawyer, you might go to, uh, you know, one of the title insurance companies. Right. And so, you know, things are, things are changing. Right, and uh, this is the natural occurrence. And actually, the the sphere of influence and the sphere of work that lawyers have is actually shrinking, in my view. And uh, you know, there are places where you do need a lawyer. Like I said, right. you wouldn't, uh, you know, I I wouldn't want to operate on myself to remove my spleen, right? Uh, but um, sometimes you just Google it. <laughs> you know, but, you know the, the fact is, is that that uh, these things are are, are all changing. Uh, I don't believe that, and this is me speaking personally. I'm I'm not giving any. I want to make it clear that I'm not uh, advocating any of this um, uh, on behalf of any regulatory authority. Um, but in my view, I think that what's happening is that more and more smart people are figuring out better and better ways to do things and eventually uh you know they'll they'll get it right and there will be a uh a revolution um you know in the industry 
And, uh, you know, is it going to be LegalZoom? You know, LegalZoom has, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of services that they offer. Um, they're inexpensive. And, you know, for some people that works, right? So, and, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to ramble on too much, but I do want to tell you that I am reminded of a time that I was in, uh, I was in Vancouver and uh, I was visiting a, 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 what was really a homeless shelter. And uh, th there we were talking about what is justice. And you know, what is justice for you or what is justice for me are, are, are two different things. And what is justice for a homeless person is, is another thing. Um, the, uh, the social worker that I was talking to there said, you know, justice for some of the people uh, there is having a pair of socks, having a new pair of shoes. Right. Uh, and they gave the example of, you know, the uh, a a homeless person went into the uh, into the uh, some social service agency to ask for a new pair of shoes, and the way the story goes is that they were they were told well no we can only give things out if there's an emergency and he says well this is an emergency i'm walking on my on my skin my my feet have come through my shoes and i need a new pair of shoes well that's not an emergency was the reply uh you have seen your shoes wearing out over the last few months and why now is it an emergency it's just just crazy right and yeah. somebody wrote a policy and uh, and, and you know, how is that justice for that person? Or, you know, you have to have an address to receive your benefits from uh, the government of Canada. If you don't have an address, yeah. you know, how can you get these benefits? You can't, right? So it's, it's interesting. So, you know, things are going to change. And like I said, there's going to be some smart people that figure it out and, uh, and the things will happen. And it's, I'll come back to Good Lawyer, right? And the reason why I'm such a supporter of it is that, um, you know, people can see the ad on, on uh, the internet and they can click on it and they can, you know, see a lawyer uh, or talk to a lawyer and uh, they do it for a very, very small fee. And, you know, people should be paying something for that. Uh, and they can get customized advice. They can ask a question. They can take 15 minutes. Uh, there's lots of lawyers that offer, um, you know, free legal information. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of lawyers that are enrolled in the uh, lawyer referral service, and they offer like a half an hour of free legal service. And um, I said legal service. That's not right. Legal information, right? Um but they won't really give you advice until uh, you've put money on the mahogany, you know? Right. Well, um, and Brett, and Brett, that's something that you can speak to. And I know you're quite passionate about that as well, is that I think you say that you find that intersection between uh, lawyers being able to make money yet deliver services to a, a much higher percentage of the population. Yeah, it's a, it's an apportioning of value to this very bite-sized piece of legal help that a lawyer is unable to to monetize 
without a platform, whether it's good lawyer or something else, because the administrative friction, which is also part of the regulations and, you know, there for a reason, but that administrative friction makes it challenging for an individual lawyer or, you know, even just a a law firm to deal with these bite-sized pieces of legal help without their own help uh, to streamline that process. Um, And, you know, with Good Lawyer, we have built a platform and a business within the confines of the current regulations. And so the, the way that Good Lawyer looks and feels today is a reflection of the rules that we need to abide by. And even though Good Lawyer isn't technically covered by the law society in any way, all of our service providers are. So we need to make sure that our platform fits within the rules. And, you know, I can tell you from the many hours and days and, you know, with your help too, Tony, like fitting in those rules wasn't the easiest of problems to solve. And it's, and we're still limited in what we're able to do. And like the one thing that I wanted to, to ask your thoughts on Tony, um, cause to me, this is pretty fundamental to driving big innovation in a very traditional space. And that is, what are your thoughts on outside investment? So that this experiment has been tried in other jurisdictions where there has been investment in, in legal services. Um, and it, it, unfortunately it, it was tried and failed. Um, but that doesn't mean that it would fail here. Right. Uh, when you have outside investment, it's, it, what's, what's, what's the primary purpose? The primary purpose is not service. It's not to be professional. It is to earn a profit. And, uh, you know, outside investment, um, it's possible to do, right? It's not possible to do that uh, easily in Canada, but, uh, you know, in some other jurisdictions, uh, it is easier to do. And, uh, you know, the fact is, is that um, that's coming. I think it's, uh, there. you know, if you're asking me whether there's going to be changes to the legislation about that, um, maybe. But, you know, the fact is, is that, that it will come uh and you know if you have walmart you know offering services yes yes. and uh they invest a whole pile of money uh to set up some systems and uh you know i think the key thing is is if the public is protected then why should a regulator get in the way well probably they shouldn't right but the key is protection of the public. And that's how this all came about in the beginning. And, uh, and we want to make sure that, that uh, you know, the public remains uh, the ones that are receiving benefit and they're not harmed, uh, you know, in the process. And, you know, there's lots of things where people get what they want uh, and companies make money. You know, like uh, when you go to McDonald's, you get a great Big Mac and you only have to pay a little bit for it. And it, it's a great tasting hamburger. And, you know, generally you don't get poisoned by it, right? Um, but, I mean, I use the, you know, the McDonald's as an analogy because, uh, you know, you could also go, like you get fed by McDonald's, no big deal. Um, and lots of people can afford that, right? But they can't afford to go to Ruth Chris and have, you know, the $100 steak, right? Mm. So, uh, and they're two different things. Um, and the quality assurances are probably different. And uh, not that McDonald's is bad, let me tell you. 
um, and, and we'll find a way. Like I think the legal profession and the regulators, we'll find our way to where we can do everything that we need to do. I'm very optimistic about that. I'm optimistic as well. And um, I think the, the sort of new demographic of lawyer that's entering the, the profession, you know, like I think, you know, your outlook is amazing, but I also don't think that it's necessarily shared by the majority um, you know, later, later in their career. Whereas I do see it heavily with like the, you know, lawyers coming out of law school and really early on fresh in their career, this greater desire to try new things. Um, because you, you were talking about the protection of the public, which I totally agree, you know, as a, as a legal profession, we have a duty to do that. But when you have 75% of the population unable to access, or that's the number Cleo pulls for the, the unmet legal needs, it doesn't seem like we're doing a good job at protecting the public. So, so I'll, I want to give you kind of a little example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure that we have really good solutions. Uh, if you've had a look on the, uh, the Law Society's website uh, with respect to uh, identifying uh, clients by video conference and, and commissioning uh, documents by video conference, uh, during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, here's the things that you have to do. And I can tell you, I, I won't give you all of them, but there is two pages in very small type of all the things that you have to do, right? And I just want to give you an example. So this is, this was what, this was what our, uh, you know, what people came up with. So before meeting on the video conference, secure a written consent form from the client prior to the meeting to proceed with a video conference signing. Notify the clients you'll be taking screenshots of them and their identification. The client must be clear, must send, send clear and legible copies of their identification front and back prior to the meeting. Identification should be current, governed issued photo ID. This may also be, be required by the lender in the event the client is obtaining a mortgage, but lawyers should also check with the lenders to confirm their instructions. Follow the modified client verification rules set forth in the Law Society FAQ. Now, that's another couple of pages. Select a secure app or platform for the meeting and ensure both the lawyer and the client have an appropriate technology space, uh, sorry, appropriate technology in place. Both the lawyer and the client must ensure that they have an adequate connection to permit the entire meeting to be conducted in one session online without interruption. The client and lawyer must be able to see and hear each other throughout the video conference. This does not mean that there may not be interruptions. The lawyer should ensure, however, the video and audio is continuously streaming while the client is signing and swearing the document. Right. Anyways, it goes on. So there's, that's prior to the meeting. Then during the meeting, you have to send the entire, the lawyer must review the entire package with the client page by page, have the client initial all the pages, right? It goes on. Yeah. Then we send you the wet copy. So I I talked to some other lawyers that are solicitors uh, uh, about this and they said they figured that it would take them about three hours to do what was necessary to do this. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, Brett's talking about accessibility uh, and and I think mm-hmm. uh, you know yep. which conflict with access to the 
to the legal services. Well, if you're charging three hours and you charge at my hourly rate, you know, at exactly. $600 an hour or at 525 or at 500 or whatever, yeah. and you end up, it's $1,500 for somebody to have that option. Yeah. It's not an option. Exactly. And I, th- I think this gets back almost to your uh, steak versus uh, McDonald's analogy. If all you're looking for is a quick cheeseburger and you get that $100 steak, that's not a good solution. Right. You, know, you, you, you just want the, something to, you know, to make you full that gets you through meals or whatever. And if you all of a sudden you're getting a $1,500 bill for three hours that could have been done in half an hour if all these regulations weren't put in place, I, obviously the person is going to be a little bit frustrated with that. Absolutely. And, but, but that's an example of, of you know, uh, the, the good intention of trying to protect the public, right. but it being so impractical that it's, it's not useful. I was going to say like the only, like they're kind of handcuffing themselves twice. Like you have all of these intense rules, which for each individual lawyer are hard and cumbersome to follow, but you also don't let outside investment from say a tech company to come in and actually deliver the legal services in a more efficient way. Well, there has to be changes right to the legislation and uh, the legislation includes the rules, the code, uh, you know, the Legal Profession Act. There has to be changes to all of that to allow for all of this. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the, the problem is, is that, um, you know, it's very hard to do because it has to be a massive, uh, a massive change, right? Um, and... You know, I think that uh, there's years and years and years where things have been set up uh, on a paper basis. Uh, So everything's driven by paper. Uh, Why can't we use an electronic signature? Uh, Why can't we, you know, we can't use that um, in some circumstances because the legislation doesn't exist to say you can use it, right? Um, So all of this stuff has to catch up. And, uh, you know, the fact is, is that there'll be, you know, safe practices and best practices that are developed. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to, to offer those solutions. Uh, unfortunately, not today, but it's guys like you uh, that need to drive the agenda. Right. So if you need to have investment, you know, by a tech company or to have some tech company look at that. Uh, if the tech company is well capitalized, right? So if it was Microsoft or if it's, uh, you know, Google or somebody like that, um, and, and I'm not saying that's who it has to be, but if it is, uh, and, you know, if something goes wrong, there is some way to remedy that. Well, then what's wrong with that? Right. They're well capitalized, probably better capitalized than all the lawyers. And, uh, and you know, they they would be able to fix the problems if they, if they occur. So we're just not there yet, but it's coming. Well, and, and you know, I think going through the, this COVID crisis, we've seen some of the law societies move very quickly along with some legislatures in allowing some, you know, things that before weren't really ever even considered like the, you know, execution of wills in Ontario, you know, they, they showed the capacity to move quickly when it was an absolute necessity. So I hope some of that will, you know, continue driving forward some of these changes saying, Hey, when we want to make change, we can make it happen. 
I think that that will happen. Um, you know, the, I think you and I have talked about the uh, dispute resolution online in British Columbia. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's an amazing program where everything's done online. You to to have uh, settlement or to have negotiation uh, conversations. You go to a little uh, chat room where you're you know monitored and uh, by uh, uh, a mediator, a skilled person that can, can basically control the conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to put all of your your information into the system before you get there. And if you don't get it figured out uh, during the uh, resolution session, well, then it's resolved uh, by having a determination at the end. And, uh, you know, these are things that governments are going to put in place. And, yeah. you know, our provincial government, um, I think what they may end up doing, and, you know, I don't have any knowledge on this or, or anything, but, I mean, they could probably simply, you know, buy the, system from the British Columbia government and replicated here. Right. Seems like an absolute no brainer. Yeah. Yep. So, so Tony, do you, do you think that during your time as president of the law society, do you get the impression that lawyers are ready for this shift that uh, they understand this is coming and you, you might as well be part of the solution or do you, are you still noticing a lot of friction and resistance to uh, experimenting with these new solutions? Well, I was in a meeting, uh, I think last week, uh, so it was a you know virtual meeting. I think done on Zoom, and uh, one of the questions was whether we could um, do investigations uh, and uh, whether we could do uh, meetings online. Uh, and I proposed a way to do it. Um, there would have been you know ten lawyers in this chat. Uh, I proposed a way to do it, and out of the 10 lawyers that were in the chat, there were nine lawyers who found good reasons not to do it. Oh, man. Wow. Um, and I won't go into any more detail than that, but I, uh, you know, the fact is, is that there wasn't anybody thinking about what was possible. Right. Uh, and, you know, as, as lawyers, this is pretty natural because we're risk adverse, right? So. If there's anything that's risky or or different or outside of our comfort zone, we, we tend to uh, discount it and we tend not to want to do it, right? right. So um, I think that, uh, you know, you're asking me, I think, you know, is there, a, is there a mood to do this? I would say that there is not. I would say that we're going to have to wait uh, until um, there is a, a the shift is either forced upon the profession, or uh, the shift naturally occurs by those innovative uh, young lawyers coming up through the system that have great ideas on how to do things better, and uh, and that they'll move to it. Um, it it has been sort of incremental so far, right? So we've been moving by small increments. Um, I would have thought that the, the uh, pandemic would have uh, created, you know, basically a shift in thinking. Um, and I think there has been a bit of a shift, um, but you still have a lot of uh, old school people out there, right? right? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, viewing this more as like a temporary discomfort as opposed to, you know, a total perspective shift on how law can be practiced. Yeah, no, I I mean, I'm not doing that. I've uh, been trying to uh, increase my online presence. I'm doing stuff, you know, with my presence online that I'm sure I should have been doing, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, but I'm trying to, uh, to, to get that part working. And, uh, you know, I think even, even the older lawyers, right, of which I am one, will get there. Uh, they, you don't have to push me because I'm already there. Uh, but there's others that we sort of got to drag along with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I still think that I don't see this happening anytime soon in Canada, just because it seems to be a very low priority item on the uh, federal and provincial dockets. Um, but we've seen it in the UK and Australia where they are no longer self-regulating profession, right? Like the government regulates lawyers in the UK and Australia In Australia, they allow for outside capital in the UK. They also do in a more limited way. Um, but we've seen other jurisdictions take that self governing away from the legal profession and the world has not fallen down. So, you know, I think it's incumbent on, lawyers in Canada and, you know, our friends down the States are in a similar boat, but I think we're well positioned in Canada um, to really lead the way as a profession in moving to the next, you know, sort of stage of service delivery and, and helping more people. And, and that may happen, but I don't, I, I don't think you need to have, uh, you know, government tell you that. I mean, the government, to be quite honest with you, um, was the, the the party standing in the way of getting the new legal profession act proclaimed and getting it completed um, interesting yeah and uh it wasn't for any other reason than you know could they show a you know could they show something for them right so it becomes it very political mm-hmm. you can imagine you know what uh, the government wants. I mean, the government wants to do good things for people. You want to, you know, we have uh, Justin Trudeau standing out on his steps every day announcing a new program to benefit Canadians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is what they want to do, like give the, the uh, political parties big wins. Yeah. So, you know, I think that in Alberta, uh, probably the way to move towards changing regulation is by having your direct contact with the, the people of influence at the Law Society of Alberta. Uh, they are ready. I can tell you from what I remember, uh, they are, I would say they are ready to listen to change. Right on. So, so Tony, I want to be cognizant of your time, especially now that I know uh, what you bill out at. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, just as maybe a a parting question here, um, let's say if you had a a 22 year old fresh undergrad undergrad, uh, college student come to you and say that they're thinking about going to law school, but are unsure about uh, if it's the right decision for them. What kind of advice would you pass on to that, that person uh, with the, breadth and depth of experience that you have uh, seeing all, all aspects of this profession. And hopefully well, I, that's a lighter note. <laughs> I, I will, no, I will temper my answer um, because, you know, the law profession has been, it's, it's, it's been, it, it is an honorable profession. People don't realize how honorable 
it is. Um, they don't realize what dedication it takes from the individuals that work in it uh, to provide services to the public. Um, uh, it, it is, I certainly have no regret uh, about the decisions that I made. Um, but with all that being said, I would, uh, without hesitation, tell them to do something else. Wow. Without hesitation. Wow. I think that uh, our profession, um, it's, uh, it, 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 there are going to be some solutions that are going to make us as lawyers, um, in my view, we're going to become redundant. And uh, these changes may occur through technology, they may occur uh, at the stroke of a pen through legislation. There's all sorts of ways that all of this could happen. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, if you, if, if you love the intellectual pursuit of the law, so here's my answer to, to the student. If you love learning and you want to have a lifelong learning experience uh, and you enjoy the intellectual pursuit of of solving problems and uh, as, an, as an aside you get to help some people perhaps or help some you know wealthy corporations or whatever you end up doing um, then if that floats your boat I'd say go ahead and do it uh, otherwise um, my recommendation would be to you know take uh, some some education in technology uh, because technology is where it's all going to go uh, and uh, you know learn what you need to learn in order to exist in this new world where we are going to be doing everything uh, online candid answer and greatly appreciated <laughs> uh, yeah that, go ahead Brett no, that was a that was a, a great answer. I'm Just has me uh, sitting quietly now, thinking. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, any parting shots here, guys, or uh, before we wrap things up? No, just make me look good on the. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess my last thing, I just want to say thank you to Tony for uh, making the time today and all of the other days that, uh, you know, you've been there to lend your, your guidance and just uh, listen to me talk about the crazy world of good lawyers. So I uh, just want to really thank you for everything you've done to date and everything I know you're going you're gonna to do with, with us in the future. So, yeah. so, so Brad, I'm, I'm happy this is to, to be a part of, uh, to be a part of this. I, uh, I'm happy to offer whatever thoughts I may have, um, including guidance on what your next career move could should be. Uh, but, and, uh, but I mean, I'm I'm happy to help, and I, uh, you know, we can have, uh, you know, a candid conversation anytime. So anytime you want to give me, give me a call, call me. Well, well, we might uh, circle back and try and get you on the show uh, maybe in a few more months here. So, but uh, as too. always. Uh, greatly, uh, greatly appreciated, Tony. We really appreciate you taking the time. 
Thanks again to Tony for being on the show and providing us with many insights into the future of the legal profession. The Good Lawyer Show is produced by Brock Pachelik, who somehow makes me and Brett sound much better than we deserve. If you like what you heard, we would greatly appreciate if you took a quick second to give us a five-star rating. And of course, make sure you hit that subscribe button to ensure you are not missing any nuggets of wisdom from our fantastic guests. Until next time, we hope you have a great week. 